This meeting is being recorded. Folks, I think it's pretty obvious that the United States and arguably the world is heading into a recession. I think it's it's more important to understand what type of recession. This is not going to be a recession like the COVID or even the 09 recession where it was down and up, where everybody went in the same boat together. I think we need to start talking about and understanding what is a rolling recession because they are very different. Uh, they might be more or less painful. They might be more steep or shallow. These are all conversations we're going to have with a 10-year Wall Street veteran, Taylor from Life Goal Investments. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for this. This is an interesting one because I think people have to learn some lessons from history here to understand kind of emotionally how they have to set themselves up going forward as an investor. Yeah. So one of the things that I've put out for quite a while now is I think this recession is going to be very different than the last two nasty ones that we've experienced, right? COVID and, and 09, which were just everything's broken. We shut the country down. You know, all of this, the banking system is a threat and everything goes down. It's going to be a rolling recession where it goes kind of industry by industry. I think it has already hit mortgage. It has already hit real estate. I think it's going to hit automotive next. Uh, and we're going to just- Has it hit tech through. yet? Has it oh, hit it's, tech yet? It's coming. Uh, I think you've seen some cracks, but I think Q1 is- Ouch. Yeah. Finance, yeah. Goldman Sachs, Wall Street talking about bonuses being anemic. Ouch. Goldman so Sachs, I, I, they are the they are the creme, creme de, la de la creme. creme. Yeah, yeah. So again, let's talk about a rolling recession. A, do you agree? B, what does it mean? You know, yeah, what should we yeah, do? I, yeah. I totally agree. Um, you know, you look back at at 2020 and I, I call the COVID a 45 minute recession, right? It was induced by 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 the, the government going, ah, time out, time out, time out. Yeah, We're done. Stand Everyone stay at home. <laughs> yeah, get back in your basement immediately. So yeah, but no, there there are much more um I, I think this is going to be much different going forward. This is going to be more of your traditional business cycle type recession where 2008, if you look at that, there was an epidemic within you know, the, the banking system. And I don't think that there are those absolute chinks in the armor right now where there is some systemic problem that is going to drive one particular industry to go you know, on the brink of out of business. But I think what you have right now is a Fed-induced recession. This is you know, economics 101, at the end of the day, what we have here is, you know, an inflation rate that took off. Uh, you know, we came, we came out of 2020. I'll even rewind back. I won't even call 2020 recession. So let me just rewind back to 2008. What you had here was 2009, the market cycle troughed, and then it kind of built on low cost of capital money that was able to be infused into all businesses, very uh, accommodative Fed, very accommodative fiscal policy, et cetera. And what you have then is an economy that started to get overly hot, right? And a lot of it was fueled by what happened during COVID, by people having huge stimulus checks pumped into their economy, PPP loans, et cetera. And so you had that kind of hitting that crescendo. And what happened was inflation took off. And this is what the Fed is there for. The Fed is there to control inflation, price stability, and to control unemployment. Now, unemployment is still very low, but inflation is a massive problem. And what is the tool or tools that they have to deal with that? They have interest rates, and they have their open market committee, which means whether they're buying or selling bonds into the market. Both of them right now are they're standing on the brakes. 
yanking rates higher, but also behind the scenes, which people aren't talking about nearly as much as they should be talking about it, is they're letting their balance sheet, their war chest of bonds that they've held, they're letting it roll off. And now it's having to be digested by the market naturally, as opposed to having that invisible hand buyer propping up the market when the Fed was infusing money into the market via buying these bonds. So now those two things have gone away. And what you're having is that you know, kind of inflection point at the top of the business cycle. And now we're going to go back into contraction mode. This is a natural progression of an economic cycle. Yeah. So when I look at a rolling recession, if, if I were to kind of help people understand what it is and why it's different is I think there are two things. And again, disagree with me if you, if you do, yep. I think yep. a roller recession just by the very definition and how they cascade means it's going to be a longer recession. Yep. Right. The average recession from memory is like 11 months or 10 Correct. months yep. or something. Yep. Right. Spot on. I think, yeah, I think this is longer. So it might be 14, 16 months. It's longer. It's also going to be shallower because again, recessions are made at the GDP level. Like there isn't a bigger umbrella. And right. when you have these little things, even real estate, real estate is something I look at every day. It's about 13% of GDP. It is in a depression. We have lost 40% of transactions. Multi, dude, multifamily, year on year. We did $130 billion in Q3 of 2021. We did $30 billion in Q3 of 2021. Explain to me a little bit further what you mean by you say we did. Transactions. There was gotcha. $130 billion in transactions, gotcha. consummated transactions. A buyer and seller agreed and closed Gotcha. a year ago. We did 30. That's like a 72% drop. That's because, again, why is transactions important? Because all the people that are paid around it. Yep. Right. So, the, again, the, that's going to pull anchor. Yeah, yeah, the banker, the lawyer, and then and then after that, the lawyers. Uh, you know, furniture store. The, yeah, yeah, lawyers, plural, exactly right. The the furniture store, the Home Depot, the renovation, the all of that. Yeah, that's why again, real estate to your point is thirteen percent of the economy because all of those constituents get paid. Yeah, so that's already there, right? And again, this will roll out. We're, I'm already telling folks that I believe we've hit a bottom in transactions. Uh, 4.08 was the last print. I think we might go to 3.9, right? So we're close to the bottom. I'm not calling for a return. Don't hear that. But once you're at the bottom, you can start to build and people will quit and this and that. Go ahead. Question on that. Is that a function of interest rates or, or mortgage rates having peaked in your opinion? Or is it a function of prices having come down and stabilizing or a combination thereof? It's, it's everything. I believe housing is always a payment-based system, and payments are a combination of price, rate, and wages. Uh, also, I believe, unlike most economists out there, that the demand curve for real estate has changed, and nobody else is talking about this. If you go back and look at real estate for the last 10 years, we averaged about 6.2 million transactions. I believe for the next two to three years, it'll be 4 million. And oh, by the way, let's not forget 23% of Yikes. transactions are cash. Right. First time home. Cut by a third. 20%. Yeah. So, but again, if you still have the cash buyers who aren't impacted by rates. Right. You don't, we don't, it's not going to be the massive price drop that everybody's calling for. Um, again, and I'm on record many times saying, sorry, prices, and it's going to be boring. I'm not calling for a price increase at all, but yeah. So I think it's, uh, I think rates have peaked. I think that run up to 7.31 is the peak. Uh, I think, I think rates average sub six next year. I think terminal rate for the Fed is five. We've already talked about that. We're almost there. I think we get two quarter rate bumps uh, in Q1, and then they're done, right? Feb and March. 
so yeah, I think I think housing is bottoming. I think we're in a bottoming process for housing for the next year, maybe 18 months. For for the record here, I actually think that mortgage rates will come in lower than that because I am wow. uh, yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. Dude, watch yeah, out, yeah. housing might take off. Yeah, watch out, right? Screaming white hat again. Now, uh, now I I do think though that that mortgage rates come down more than that, and that's just a function of where I think interest rates in general are going. I don't think the Fed's going to raise as much, and I think the back end of the yield curve is going to come oh, down with in, a recession. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I. But again, this rolling recession, I think, I think it's 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 just going to be longer and shallower. It's going to feel like we're operating in mud. Is the best way I can kind of articulate it. Yep. Um, yeah. And there, there are a couple of times throughout history that we can look at kind of, you know, rolling type recessions. And, you know, this is an overused analogy, but it's overused for a reason. Like the seventies is the only time frame we can look back at. Inflation hasn't been rampant, right? Throughout our history, inflation no, not has since, not been not since 80, whatever, at. two or three was the last time. Right. So if you look at the seventies, which even during the sixties, you started to see that inflationary build and it wasn't dealt with appropriately, which is why the fed is being so staunch right now on their rate hikes, because they don't want to repeat the seventies. The seventies had a recession in 1970, 1973, 1979, and then again in 1981. So that's a, that is what happens if you have this start restop inflation, take off inflation mutes, inflation, take off inflation mutes. That's why the fed's doing what they're doing. And then if you look at more of a kind of potentially a traditional type rolling recession, you can look at the late 90s, early 2000s. And it, it is painful. And when I say that, you have that dot-com bubble burst. I don't think that bubble exists right now. I think that there was some of that that I think has been deflated this year. And those yeah, bubble and today made. they're called zombie companies, right? Yep. I think, you know, I think, I don't remember where I read this. It's like 12% of the Russell 2000 are zombies. That's not 30% of the Russell 2000. 30%. Again, so that's small cap companies. So that's small companies. 30% of Russell 2000 does not produce profits. So they have- So some of those will grow into their earnings, but some of them won't exist, right? To your point, I think think there were so many companies that lived off borrowed money because risk was zero. No doubt, no doubt. And you had just an appetite of people out there. And, and, And you look at some of the reasons behind that. A lot of that is- there wasn't an alternative. So you think about, and I keep you know, I'm belaboring this a little bit now because over the last couple episodes, I've talked about it, but like bonds are now an alternative. Bonds are now a place where people can go and go, okay, I can get 4% on a treasury risk-free, yeah. risk-free with the advantage of not paying state and local tax on it as well. Not bad. Now I have to look at the market and say, hey, can I, can, can I go out and find a better operator, a better use of my capital to get a compounded annual growth rate above 4% because that's the bogey now. Whereas the bogey is significantly above because you're not going to go for four or five. You're going to want five, six, seven. That's why I think, that's why I think a lot of folks um, back to kind of conversation number three today, uh, bonds might be the right answer, right? Hey, I got to lick my wounds. I'm not sure where to be. 4% is a hell of a lot better than negative 27. Um, Yeah, it's certainly, you know, if you have, you know, always have an emergency fund course. Yep. Uh, but yeah, if you're sitting on some, some, you know, you're, you're part of that 45 billion that exited the market for tax loss harvesting last week and probably more this week. But again, I, I can't, I still can't believe it. We talked about it two months ago. I'm going to go buy some 10 year treasuries at 4.6. Yep. 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 By the way, what's the best asset class historically on a relative basis in a recession? Bonds. Bonds. bonds, bonds, better than cash, cash, cash is, you know, flat, whatever, whatever cash is paying you at the time, but bonds annualize a positive seven and a half percent return. Looking back at recessionary years, seven and a half. 
And when you see on the on the other side of it, U.S. stock market averages about negative 18 percent. International stock market averages about negative 27 percent. Real estate averages about negative 9 percent. Gold averages about negative 5 percent. So like if I list them out in order of, of best to worst, because I just did it all over the place there, it goes bonds, gold, real estate, U.S. stocks, international stocks being the worst. So again, if you're anticipating a recession coming, like, you know, let's look at history as a playbook. Bonds are a place where you should be storing capital right now. And bonds yeah. also do this. So as you get appreciation in bonds during a recession, seven and a half percent, what does that also give you? Dry powder to buy stocks when they get absolutely blown out on the downside, because there will be a point where the market just throws up on itself. And when it does, if you have that dry powder of something that's performed positively during that tough time, wow, isn't that a nice situation to be in? Don't you feel like Warren Buffett at that point going to Goldman Sachs in 2008? Exactly. Well, you do a lot of great stuff on Instagram. What is your Instagram page? Because people got to follow you. And folks, if you go to his page today and follow him, send him a, a note saying you came from one rental at a time. So many people have. So I'm incredibly thankful for your channel and, and incredibly thankful for you having me. I, I mean that sincerely. Yeah. Follow us at Life Goal Investments. We try to make investing easier. We try to make economics easier in more layman's terms than CNBC does. Uh, you do an amazing job. The daily stuff that really helps the average person. I appreciate you, Taylor. Have an amazing week. You too. You're the man, Michael.